Welcome. Pull up a seat, grab a cup, and get ready to share, listen, and learn. This is my favorite coffee story with your host, Aniko Samoji. You'll hear about the stories about coffee itself, the history, health benefits, recipes, and more, along with some personal stories inspired by coffee and the lifestyle. Now, here is Aniko Somoji. Welcome to my favorite coffee story. We are so happy you've joined us, listeners all around the world, across the U.S., Ireland, China, Australia. Um, aloha to all of you, and thank you for joining us. We have a wonderful show today. We are we have a special guest, um, Adam Potter. And before I introduce Adam, we're going to be talking about chocolate and coffee, the perfect pairing. And I always love to share a little bit about what's going on at Anikona Farm. So here we are at our Anikona Farm Moments portion of the show. So we've been picking coffee and uh, just wanted to kind of go over a little bit with our listeners sort of what that entails. We're in the middle of coffee harvest season in Kona on the big island of Hawaii, and we've been picking beautiful red cherry when it's ripe, and that just provides that delicious flavor for our Kona coffee. But after we pick that um, cherry, it has a skin on it, and we'll be pulping that, and that's what we're doing also with the beans that we've picked. Then we dry for about 10 days or so, depending on the weather, and then we have um, what we call parchment. And for our listeners, parchment is really kind of like a papery skin around the bean. That's something that you know your your coffee is ready. It's dried and you have the parchment phase. Once we remove the parchment over at the Halualo Kona Coffee Mill, we also grade the beans and uh, we, we receive back three different bean gratings. The estate grade is what we sell at Anikona. It's a green bean. And then when we have our orders, we roast that green bean at the Holuolo Kona Coffee Mill and we do an air roast. And that's what we share with our customers all around the world. So that's a little bit about what we've been doing at Anikona Farm. And now let's talk about chocolate and coffee, the perfect perfect pairing. And here in the States, it's Halloween. It's October 31st. So we are actually sharing about chocolate. Adam Potter is joining us. Um, he does an amazing chocolate. He's a co-owner at Puna Chocolate Company. And Puna Chocolate, it's grown on a farm here on the Big Island of Hawaii. And we even say that what's special about this, it's a delicious chocolate. Um, we actually call this a farm-to-bar chocolate, um, grown in Hawaii, and it's so it's bean to bar. What and that is so special. So a lot of the the customers of Puna Chocolate know they're getting the freshest, most delicious chocolate and also good nutrients. So welcome Adam Potter to the show. Thank you, Aniko, for so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, uh, we're delighted. So Adam, I know you have um, a team that works with you at Puna Chocolate Company, um, your sister Terry, as well as friend Ben. And your c- chocolate is incredible. I've, I've tried the milk and the dark. And uh, you can actually taste that fresh cacao taste. Uh, tell us a little bit before you got into chocolate and decided to start Puna Chocolate, a little bit about your early days of your career and um, 
some little bit about your personal journey, please. Sure. It's, uh, it, it definitely started with chocolate and uh, that my mom just has an incredible sweet tooth. And she, she always, you know, if, if, I, I wouldn't be lying if I said we, we had chocolate for dinner. Uh, on some occasions, whether it was chocolate pudding or cookies, she just kind of, uh, she, we were just kind of raised on desserts, to be honest. And, uh, uh, but my career wise, I mean, I, far from chocolate, I, I joined the Marines out of college as an officer. And, uh, I also, I learned Arabic in school. And so, uh, I had a, a pretty interesting career doing interactions with the civilian populations in a lot of different places. And a lot of it was farming and, you know, creating economic opportunity through farming and introducing new crops in places where they didn't necessarily have the means to, to grow lucrative crops before. Um, so when I started, when I left Marines in 2010 and we started moving into Hawaii and seeing that, you know, cacao was a great opportunity, it wasn't too far from what I was doing before where it was, you know, planting uh, planting trees in new places and, and helping farmers get involved with a new kind of stock and picking the right things for Hawaii. Um, so, yeah, it went from uh, from from Marines to to business school, learning how to run an enterprise, doing some financial stuff, and then ultimately I ended up uh, in Hawaii growing growing chocolate with a lot of different farmers across the island. Well, that's uh, what a journey you've had, and I I can imagine we all would have loved been to be part of your family growing up with chocolate uh, weaving through all your meals. Uh, what was the the favorite thing that your mom made with chocolate that you can remember? Uh, I would say hands down, she had a recipe for a thing called uh, Texas sheet cake. And, uh, yeah, she just basically used a whole tub of Hershey's <laughs> cocoa powder <laughs> and uh, confectioner sugar and uh, melted butter and, and, and condensed milk. <laughs> I think those were all the ingredients that she used to make the cake and then the frosting. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was, you know, it, it fed a family of eight. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Well, as you left the Marines, um did you probably miss a little bit of your chocolate during those days where you were actually working hard as a Marine? Um, it seems like from there, what took you to Hawaii? Yeah, so it's, uh, it, you know, in, in, in my mom was always good with care packages, too. So it was <laughs> never something I, I got to miss. She was she was right on schedule. Um, but the question was, what, what, what went from there? Yes. What got me into it? So to Hawaii, I was based out of San Diego, uh, California, for my whole 10-year career in the Marines. And, you know, the next city to the west is Hilo, Hawaii. <laughs> if you're, uh, So it, it, was, it was something I really fell in love with Hawaii. It was, it was a place you could just go to and, uh, and just feel really relaxed. It wasn't like leaving... Uh, home because you were still in the United States and it was, there wasn't a really rough transition. And so it was, it was easy to go back and, 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 and I'd go quite often uh, to different islands and big Island. I think I was just really attached to it. It was just the rural side to it. There was so much going on every 10 minutes you drive, you know, something changes and, uh, yes. and, and it's like an endless <laughs> movement. I'm sure you feel the same way. 
I do. And Adam, we thank you for your service in the Marines, and we're really grateful to you. And now we're very grateful that you uh, work with your Puna Chocolate Company in, in providing a delicious delicious chocolate. What are some of your favorite stories or favorite coffee stories and memories as you were sort of thinking about starting the farm and um, maybe meeting with people and um, even during your marine time that you can recall, please? Um, I remember the, the there were there were two occasions when I really got introduced well to, to coffee. And uh, I think the, the the first one was uh, the very first time I had coffee was in a, a mocha, <laughs> which was, you know, it's a chocolate coffee drink, and uh, it, it it was amazing. It was just it was really I think the entrance to me to, to drinking and loving and appreciating coffee was just my first mocha, and I would I would drink mochas for an entire year before uh, I started drinking real coffee um, uh, alone and just having espresso, and and I probably have you know, some kind of espresso drink every day is, is such a, a great way to, to to stay energized and, and have great flavors. But I, I think where I really had a spiritual connection to coffee was uh, traveling in Ethiopia. And they're, they're, they're known for their, their cultural coffee ceremony. And uh, for me, it was just, uh, I, was, I was traveling by bus. It was just the most exhausting ride you could think of. It was so hot and stuffy, and we got out, and this little girl just pulled us out of the bus, me and my, my traveling companion, and she brought us to her mom's house, and and they were just uh, doing uh, just green coffee, and it was such a great experience uh, just live, being there with this family that just pulled us off the street and just let us relax and have fresh, fresh coffee made. How incredible. What a favorite coffee story. Uh, what does tell us a little bit more about that Ethiopian uh, ceremony? What that entails? It's it, it, you know you know you, I, I remember reading the guidebooks and you know it, it kind of became a touristy thing for a lot of uh, folks and, and and I'd been living in Egypt I'd been in China every kind of uh, and, and of course there's Hawaii we we kind of highlight certain parts of the culture to present. And, uh, to me, what, and so we knew that it was, you know, we were going to sit on the floor, we're going to watch the beans, uh, they were going to be fresh beans, we're going to roast them to a certain, uh, level and just see it being freshly prepared and then freshly, uh, cooked over the stove and, uh, kind of one of those little mocha burners. Uh, and, and, and this was just amazing because it was so authentic. I mean, this was you know, it wasn't a tourist experience. It was just a family that was just getting ready for coffee for, for the afternoon. And yeah. they'd just finished work. And, and, uh, you know, we, we got to really relate on a one-to-one level, uh, just, uh, just, just as people. Oh, that, I feel like, uh, your description of that helps me feel like I'm there with you. And I'm sure our listeners feel the same way. Um, well, Ethiopia has such a special relationship to coffee, and uh, the history of coffee points back to Ethiopia. So what an incredible story. How did you end up in Ethiopia? Was that part of the marine work that you were doing? No, it was uh, it was just college. You know, everybody, some people do their study abroad <laughs> for a year, and uh, I... I 
I did. I thought it would be fun to go to Egypt. And uh, and so I, I was in Egypt for a year. And for winter break, I was like, I, I want to go see sub-Saharan Africa. So I I uh, I went, I, I, I took a plane to Eritrea and just went south uh, to Kenya, <laughs> uh, which is a hard trip. <laughs> it's a very hard oh, trip. Oh, so gosh. There's just uh, a lot of vivid memories of just these kind of, not life-saving, but just these humanity-saving interactions where, you know, you could just tell we were exhausted, we are in parts unknown, and, all right, this is fresh pineapple juice, and this is amazing coffee, and uh, people just reaching out for, you know, just wary travelers. Oh, well, and the hospitality that you received was so heartwarming. So, Adam, we've so enjoyed hearing about your early days, and thank you for sharing your personal journey. Just incredible. And we look forward to continuing our conversation right after the break about Puna Chocolate and its mission as we continue talking a little bit more with Adam Potter, co-owner of Puna Chocolate Company. We look forward to having you join us right after the break. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private, personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for You with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to My Favorite Coffee Story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. 
Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to My Favorite Coffee Story. We've been having an amazing chat with Adam Potter, co-owner of Puna Chocolate Company on the Big Island of Hawaii. And Adam was just sharing with us a little bit about his personal journey, sharing about times and visiting Ethiopia and growing up times with his family and his mother who made delicious delicious chocolate recipes. Uh, so that's been so fun to, to talk about those early days. And now we're going to actually launch into Puna Chocolate um, and its mission. So Adam, thanks for being with us. So I guess you have two missions, it sounds like, uh, producing incredible, amazing chocolate. And also you have a tropical conservation mission. Please tell us a little bit more about Puna Chocolate. Sure. So yeah, it's it, we, we, we try to make the best chocolate possible. And, you know, of course, that's subjective and we never want to tell a someone who's who's enjoying our chocolate how to enjoy it or what to enjoy about it um but to me it's kind of like what would someone like my parents enjoy uh what would uh you know we're in the i'm in chicago right now what would the midwestern uh customer like to enjoy that gives them out of the you know the hershey mold uh, that's, that's a good pun, by the way. Uh, it's, uh, so, so it's, <laughs> but, uh, but gets them to really appreciate quality ingredients. So for us, we, we got into it really not knowing what to do. I mean, there's, there's master chefs doing bean to bar chocolate and they're doing things that I don't think Puna Chocolate will ever be able to do. Um, and, and that's great. I, I think what we do is just a really good, just mouthwatering, melt in your mouth kind of bar. And, and and we want to make it because we, we we think that that's 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 what the mainstream likes and that's going to be their next step up uh, to 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 being able to appreciate because if you go too fast and it's just a, a very complex condensed bar I, I think a lot of people kind of get alienated by it so we've always wanted to 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 make it something that they're familiar with but also have the flavor so much more powerful um, that that they were wanting more. And, and I think the way we do it that's unique is that we, we are farmers first. So we're going to let the beans speak. We're going to grow great trees. We're going to grow great uh, beans. And we're going to try to keep the flavor and the, the, the cocoa butter and everything that's, that's inherent to that bean and, and let it do what it does each season. Well, your beans are truly unique but because you're growing in Puna, Hawaii and if I understand correctly Adam, Puna tends to be one of the wettest regions in the U.S. Tell us about please Puna and what is unique about Puna on the Big Island. So Puna and I think in Hawaiian it actually means watery <laughs> it means wet Okay, and uh, it's What's unique about Puna, I mean, every Hawaiian island, uh, as you know, they, they kind of have the same microclimate, the leeward side, the windward side, north shore. They all kind of have that. What's unique about Puna's wet side is the fresh volcano. We're, we're still very active <laughs> volcanically. Yeah. And so, you know, the soil on our, our, our side is, is, you know, millions of years younger than on, the, on Maui. Uh, or or continuing up to Oahu and all that, so it it, it definitely has very unique soil. It has very new, unique uh, new and fresh volcanic soil, and 
some of the plant life that's decomposing is, is unique to the area too because it's just more abundant there that, 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 in that ecosystem. So we get a very unique and bold uh, flavor, very reminiscent of what you, you're experiencing in Kona uh, as well. Um, and, and so what's also unique about Puna is that it is accessible. It's, it's, we were able to buy a lot of land there because, yeah, it is volcanic. Not many people want to buy, <laughs> take the risk of having a farm there. So it, it's, it's a great way to get into farming. It's a great place for the economics. And then the, the, the soil is just the, the cocoa beans love it. They love the water. They love the, the rich, uh, uh, fresh soil. Well, and it seems like, too, the fat content of the Puna cacao beans is definitely unique. Um, please tell us about the fat content in your cacao beans. So the, the, the word on the street is that Hawaiian cocoa beans have a higher percentage of cocoa butter uh, than any other region. And the, the cocoa belt is 20 degrees north-south latitude, and Hawaii is about, what, 21 and a half? So we're, we're a little bit north, and our beans are a little bit cold, and so it's been said that they've got to have a little bit more cocoa butter to stay warm, you know, uh, <laughs> through through our cold uh, <laughs> our, our cold season. So we're we're actually submitting our beans for a certificate analysis just to verify it. But what we the consensus with everybody who tastes our chocolate and anybody who tastes other Hawaiian growers' chocolates is that it's just it's always smooth uh, and it's not acidic. It's it's hands down. That's always been the consensus is that it's, it's smooth and not acidic. And we want to attribute that to just the, either the higher content, uh, of cocoa butter or, uh, or, or, or some way that we're growing it and fermenting it. But, but I think that's what you're going to get when you get Hawaiians that a lot of dark chocolates you might get from other origins. They might have a bit more bitterness or astringency that has to be worked out. Um, but even the rudimentary beginner, to Hawaiian chocolate just doesn't have those those issues. They, they, they have a pretty good bean to start out with, to work with. Well, your dark chocolate is smooth is a great way to describe it. It has such a nice finish. Um, it's a delight. And so um, really enjoyed that. I think you had a really great way of describing trying Puna chocolate. It's kind of like if, if you've had freshly baked bread that you just are trying straight out of the oven versus you've grown up on, you know, white processed bread. That's a little bit about like cho- trying to the chocolate from Puna chocolate. Uh, I, I really like that description. How did you came up, come up with that? Uh, you know, my, my sister did because I mean, we, we, me and Ben started making this stuff and we're like, this, this tastes amazing. I mean, we're not even good at this. I don't even know if we're doing it right, but it's, it's so much different than what we get at the store. Um, and, and so, she, you know, she's, she's got a very sophisticated palate. She's a great chef and she's kind of started trying stuff as it came out. She's like, this is so inherently different. It's, it's, it's like when you, 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 you convert when you're just like, I, I just like baked bread. I can't, I can't go back anymore. <laughs> Um, and, and it's, it's, it's been something amazing to watch with, 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 with customers who come into the shop and they, they sample it because they're like, all right, it's 70%. It's going to be dark. I just don't like dark. I like no chocolate. And we're like, just, just try it. This is different. Uh, and just seeing their eyes light up. They're like, I, this is, this didn't bite back. It wasn't bitter. 
<laughs> it was it was a, just a nice natural taste. I like it. Well, and it's amazing to think that this is grown in America. This is chocolate grown in America by local independent farmers. And I really think it's amazing how you focus on the farming. Uh, is, is it true that you're planting about an acre a month with your uh, cacao trees? That's a huge amount of work. It is. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's true. So <laughs> Uh, I get back on Saturday, and we're planting two acres over over two weeks, and that's about 400 trees each each acre. Uh, so it's uh, it's definitely true. We're definitely doing our share to you know reforest uh, different farms uh, that that may have gone fallow or landowners who are they, they've never really had the economics to make sense to use their 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 backyards or their 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 homesteads uh, for farming before, but uh, this this kind of gives them that ability to, to 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 have an income and and uh, a lot of the people that we work with they're they're so helpful. I mean it, it's we're we're definitely doing the, the setup, uh, but the ones that we're working with, I mean they're doing the maintenance and the work as well. So it's it definitely enables us to proliferate faster than uh, had it just been our own uh, endeavor. Amazing. Let's talk, please, about the the tropical conservation. You touched on it lightly that this is sort of a rainforest area with maybe about 160 inches of rain annually, which is incredible. But um, so when you're planting these trees, is this a particular cacao tree um, specimen or what's the type of tree that you're thinking will do well there with the shade of the rainforest? Yeah, it's a, it's a complicated question about cacao genetics, especially in Hawaii. It's, it's been brought in, you know, different in, in different iterations. And what a lot of people are working with is, is kind of a legacy of, of, a, of a Hershey attempt in the late eighties and early nineties. Um, and, and that's when a lot of local farmers did their first plantings and they're rediscovering that they had orchards or they had trees and they're, they're kind of growing off of those. And over the years, these trees have, have changed. They've, they've, they've adapted, uh, and, and they're, you know, the ones that survived the most are really the ones that are, we're getting seed stock from now to, to continue growing. So, you know, there are certain types. We, we we try to keep it simple and just say it's the type that grows best in Hawaii. This is a cacao is a tree that's meant to be an understory tree and a think of a you know a hot <laughs> Central American jungle. Uh, Hawaii is not that at all. It's a windy uh, a windy Pacific island that has we have a seasonal tilt and we have variation in, in weather that that most cacao doesn't have. And so we've always stuck with what we call Hawaiian hybrids and, and selections. Um, and, and they grow great. They, they grow really well, and the flavor's awesome. Um, if we were to bring in other genetics, if we were to bring in other types, we would, we would risk two things. One, that it's just not suited for cacao. I'm sorry, for Hawaiian soil and, and wind. Um, yes. And then more importantly, that it might bring in a pathogen or a pest. So I, I think we're kind of doing it the Hawaiian style where it's just like, this is what nature gave us. This is what <laughs> is meant to grow here. So we're, we're really sticking with 
that. And the other thing that we're doing is that we're, we're able to visit a lot of different orchards of people who've had different types, and we're picking some of the best trees that are growing the strongest and, and kind of isolating some of the characteristics that some trees have. Like we have one orchard that's all yellow and one that's all red pods, uh, and we're, we're, we're playing with some of those. Um, but it, it is tempting to try other types, but we just... Uh, we're, I, I think once we're more established, we might start looking at that as long as it's safe and it makes any sense. But for now, I don't think there's any reason to. Right. Well, having the cacao and the rainforest coexist together uh, seems like the perfect relationship. And it's it sounds like once you establish what that perfect uh, mix is, you might actually begin exporting some of those trees to other regions. Uh, the You mentioned a little bit about the pods. They they can be so pretty from red to yellow to browns. Um, maybe this is a good time, Adam, to talk a little bit about the process and um, share with our listeners how you take from the farm, the pod, all the way to the last step of creating that chocolate bar yeah the beginning and the end of chocolate are a little bit different but everything in between is is almost exactly like coffee almost all our machines are repurposed (laughs) coffee processing machines um but yeah so the harvest is a bit different and it's kind of why we 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 like uh cacao uh cultivation because it is a lot easier than coffee to harvest uh, one pod with 40 beans in it than it is to <laughs> pick 40 coffee cherries. Uh, but yeah, yes. the tree, the, the, and a lot of people are interested in how does this stuff grow? I mean, it's, it's such a familiar food, but they, they, they these, these wacky pods are, are, are so fun looking that they want to know more. Um, the tree, it can grow, it can grow 30, 30 or more feet. Um, we, and it can grow about a foot a month. So it's 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 a fast grower. Um, we prune ours to you know I'll, I'll stand up and put my hand in the air. That's that's where I want it to stop because that's where I want to pick because I don't want to set up ladders uh, and pick anything. Right. Uh, so so while they can grow tall, we usually keep them pruned at at, at about eight feet. And what's also really cool about the the, the cocoa pod is that it can it, it grows off the bark. Of the tree, so kind of where some of the leaves have shed as it grows, you'll start seeing flower, little microscopic, not microscopic, but little mini flowers pop out uh, that are fermented by, you know, pretty much gnats. Uh, it's it's almost an invisible little process, and then suddenly it turns into a pod, and the pod can grow and grow and grow until it looks like a, a football, like a Nerf football. <laughs> yeah. um, and it'll start out, you know, purple or green, and it'll ripen to yellow if it was green to a, a red or orange, if it was, if it was purple. So it has these really cool colors uh, that when you look at it in the orchard, it looks like, you know, a Willy Wonka uh, wonderland <laughs> of all these different uh, fruity looking pods growing off of the tree in a nice lush green uh, little canopy. Um, and then, yeah, you pick it, it's full of these, these beans. Uh, I guess they're seeds. Technically they're seeds about the size, I'd say of, of grapes. Uh, you, you split the pot open. The pot is like a like a pumpkin rind, and so we thought they were we thought they were squash. We thought they were winter squash when we first saw them at a market. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you extract it. Uh, the bean itself is going to be really really bitter. It's really it's a purple color. It can be white sometimes, 
and it's really bitter. And so you're spending the next part of the process over two weeks just mellowing out that bitterness through fermentation. And then once it's fermented for about a week, you dry it, just like coffee, out in, the, out in your coffee racks. Uh, and then when it's and then, and then once it's dry, it's inert, and you can store it, you can ship it, you can, uh, and then you can, or you can go to the next process of starting to get it ready for chocolate, and that's roasting it, just like coffee. And then you got to get the parchment off, uh, just through a cracking phase, and a light vacuum will take will remove the parchment. And once you've cracked that bean, so you have nibs, and that's that's where you start grinding it. You add your sugar and you add your milk, and it, once you add your sugar and milk, it goes from being cacao or cocoa beans into chocolate. And uh, yeah, that, that's it's a, it's a long process. It takes about three weeks from harvest to having your chocolate bar. Thanks for taking us through that. Those nibs, uh, I know you have a a special Big Island style bar where you include those nibs in there as well as Kona coffee. Um, It's so fun, the products that you've come up with and how you actually come up with those ideas and working with Terry and Ben. I'm actually sipping your delicious mint cacao tea right now as we speak. Uh, And that's something that I, I bet... Terry uh, had fun putting together, but it, it truly is wonderful. So it's been fun to see all the, the products you're coming up with, and it, it's Halloween today, so I know you have some special chocolate that you've been preparing for Halloween. I thought it was really fun that you have a chocolate frog that is a little bit kind of like a Harry Potter chocolate frog. Coming up with those ideas must be so fun, Adam. How do you actually come up with the ideas? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of there's a challenge to having you know a good chocolate candy because most consumers are so used to just these mass produced and the kids just want to collect they want to get a ton of candy and so it's it's how do we get how do we either produce some stuff that that's that's economical to you know just mass collections by the kids or or just kind of making people think outside of the box and thinking all right this is going to be delicious chocolate tradition for Halloween. And that's kind of what we're looking at is how do we, how do we start traditions for people's Halloween, you know, candy. So we, we did the chocolate frog. Everybody knows Harry Potter. My name's Adam Potter. My nephew's name is Harry Potter. (laughs) So I've always been tormented by that legacy for, you know, the last, uh, when did he come out? But it's, it's been awesome. And so, you know, we're doing something Halloween and let's, we're going to do chocolate frog. Uh, We fill it with uh, some Albanese uh, jelly worms which are just delicious jelly worms. Uh, and uh, kids love it. We did a, we kind of, it, it sounds so weird just to do a jelly bean filled chocolate. They don't seem like they go together. Uh, but we, we did a jelly bean filled Easter bunny for Easter. And everybody just loved it. They just love having a little mallet, breaking their thing open and having, you know, some really good candy in, 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 in it as well. So that's kind of been our surprise. thing. Yeah. Yeah. The things that you're coming up with, and we can't wait to hear a little bit more about some of your current projects, as well as some of what's coming up down the road. I know you've been opening shops. We look forward to talking a little bit more with Adam Potter about Puna Chocolate right after the break. Please join us. Stimulate. 
stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. We live in perilous times on a beautiful yet fragile planet. As a species, we are not doomed to self-destruct. We can live in peace and in love for one another. We can save this, our only home. We must mature. Open your mind. Soften your heart. Listen for the fate of humanity. Crucial conversations for our survival. With host Lauren N. Nile. Tune in. The Fate of Humanity airs Wednesdays at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to My Favorite Coffee Story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to My Favorite Coffee Story. We've been having such a nice time with Adam Potter, who is a co-owner of Puna Chocolate Company. We've been having fun talking about the process. Puna Chocolate is is uh, really bringing Hawaiian fresh chocolate to the forefront, you know, to the world. It's uh, as a best and rare chocolate. And we were just going to talk a little bit more about some of the current products that Puna Chocolate Company is working on and um, some of the dreams down the road. They've been opening some stores and have a growing presence in some retail shops. Adam, tell us what your latest project is there at Puna Chocolate Company. Well, we just finished opening. We just had our ribbon cutting uh, here in Wakanda. It's a suburb of Chicago. And uh, this is pretty much the store for my my sister. We we kind of shipped all the cocoa beans and did all the R and D in the beginning, and and came up with a lot of the flavors and in, in, in our formats. So it's been it's been awesome. It's been it's been and the community has been really very supportive too, and 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 it's 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 been great. Uh, the, the real project that we're working on now, the the real big one is is really we've always wanted to make it accessible. The cacao uh, cultivation accessible to 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 native Hawaiians and to uh, help make Big Island you know keep it rural. And so we're we're working with a couple of schools in integrating cacao into their school curriculum. So it includes land, it includes some funding for for trees, uh, and even equipment. So 
the kids can start doing some vocational training. And even when they do do their own fundraisers each year, they're, they're still on their own proprietary, you know, chocolate varieties as well. So that's, that's the next thing that we're, we're starting to work on when we get back. Well, that's a really incredible idea. And of course, I know that you're planting more trees, but bringing in um, cacao and farming and teaming up with the schools is such a great idea. Have you gotten to know any of the kids uh, who are becoming part of your farm project? We, we just started introducing it. I think we, we did uh, the, the one that we're, we just did one acre for one farmer. And uh, we're doing another one, uh, another acre for him as well. And, and his mom, his his son, and uh, and all their friends kind of come in. They each plant a tree while we're there at work, and it's 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 just been really cool, just because they know they're going to make a good, you know, living off of their land. And that's kind of been part of the conservation part is that, you know, they a lot of people Hawaiians will buy some land, and they're like, uh, the best use is to subdevelop it and build another house on it. And rent it out. And if we can get them to see that, all right, if I grow a, an orchard, there's a really good opportunity to uh, uh, make some money off of the, 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 the tree itself or even get in the business of making some chocolate bars and there's an appetite for it. Oh, of course. I um, I really love how you are so much a part of the community there near Hilo and um, in Puna. And you also, Puna Chocolate uses compostable wrappers and vegetable-based inner liners, which is also, I think, a great way to talk about your conservation. What would you say are some of your favorite things about what you do? Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I like planting the trees. That's, uh, that's, that's my favorite part is just getting out there. We have a really cool nursery and just being able to plant trees and see what they do. And, and every time we plant a new orchard, how can we make it better than the last one? How can we make sure that it grows faster? It's protected from, from insects and without using chemicals. So, you know, that, that, that's been the fun part to it is, is, is just seeing that cycle get quicker and faster. Um, and, 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 uh, and it wasn't always like that. It was, you know, it was a yeah. trail, it, it was very tearful in the beginning when we did it because we'd do it. We'd we'd go back to Honolulu or San Diego and come back, and it all be eaten by bugs, or a windstorm would come and all the leaves were knocked off. And it took so long to get the first pods to start producing that now when we're we're produce we're, we're planting and in six to eight months suddenly flowers are coming out. We're 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 excited with that. That is exciting, uh, definitely. After the 60 acres and you, you're planting these trees, what, what is your next step, Adam? After, after planting the, these, these next two acres? Yes. Well, it's, 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 uh, we, we, we usually plant an acre every month, and, and I think <laughs> next year we have about 20 acres ordered up already, so we have to increase our clip. But we also have to you know, build out our shop. We, we have a workshop in Hilo on the big island. So we're in the midst of planting, which I think we've got a process down. We're, we're trying to figure out how to make Hilo more of a, a destination to be successful because it's, it's, it's hard to attract tourists to Hilo itself. And I, I think we're starting to get a lot of more variety there. Um, 
but uh, it's it's how to it, it is going to be a challenge of of making Hilo more of a destination when people do come to Hawaii. Most people overlook it uh, entirely when when they they visit. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I think with your shop there, uh, and there's some cute buildings in Hilo that are going in. I actually think you're going to get there. Uh, isn't there a cruise ship that comes into Hilo pretty regularly? There is a cruise ship that comes in every Tuesday. I think there's another one that comes in. I think it's twice a week. Um, and okay. most people know they, they, they get off and they zip over to the volcano. <laughs> and okay. uh, yeah. So, so, yeah, it's, 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 we, we definitely have that working for us. We just got to figure out how to get people just to stay in the town a little bit longer before they, they venture off to see all the other things that they, they've got to see. I mean, you've got to see the volcano if you <laughs> come over to our side. Well, and Adam, once they try Puna chocolate, oh my gosh, that's going to be their destination, definitely. All um, right. I was, <laughs> yeah, I was wondering, Adam, um, how you balance your travel between Chicago and Hawaii. How does that work? Uh, that's a good <laughs> question. That's uh, I mean, there's three of us, and. We do the farming. We we do all the process. We the, the way that it works though is that we just have some really good people, kind of at each step, who who, who chip in. So we do have someone who ferments our beans with us, uh, you know, and and so we we come in, we, we we take everything out of the shell together, and then they they babysit it. Uh, we have some farmers who do the whole process that will buy beans from as well, and they're just incredible. Monica Cacao, she does an amazing job. Uh, with her beans, um, and even, even when it comes time to plant, there's there's one or two Hawaiians that we go to that you know they they know the process. They come right in, and we we can, we can plant a lot. So it's I, I think we've been able to do it because we've we've kept our costs really low um, by having people where we need them right when we need them. Uh, even the land, you know, a lot of the farm work is done by the landowners, and they they share they get a lion's share of the of the economic activity, whereas, and we don't have the expenses of, of kind of having to, to tend to everything ourselves. So we, we can spread it out because we have a lot of people at keynotes of, of, of the process. Sounds like a great team effort. How did you and Ben and Terry first sort of think about teaming up? I, I know now it's been a journey and it's been a while, but um, wasn't Ben actually, did he grow up in the Midwest as well on a dairy farm? Um, so how did that all come together? Yes, that, that work ethic he got from <laughs> growing up in Wapan, uh, Wisconsin uh, is, is definitely carrying a lot of a lot of weight here because it's you know he has this ethic where you know you don't stop until it's done because tomorrow's gonna have a new set of problems it's gonna have a new thing you never know it could be a rainy day and you can't work so it's just whatever it is you don't stop until it's done so it's it's uh there's that and and, and i think also it's it's helped us really transition to making a, a hawaiian product successful on the mainland too because uh you know his his family has been very supportive they've also helped get the chocolate placed all over all over they're, they're working hard to, to to get people to to, to be familiar with putting chocolate and it's it's really helping us uh uh, uh pay things off and, and keep, to get the business going oh it's so exciting to see 
um, how far you've come and where you're going. And I'm really excited that we're teaming up with our holiday gift baskets. Um, we'll be including Puna chocolate um, as well as your mint cacao tea uh, in our gift baskets, uh, which we're just so delighted. Oh, there's a product that please share with our customers because we'll also be including that in our gift baskets. It's the chocolate bomb, and it is truly the bomb. Uh, tell us how you invented the chocolate bomb. So did you get to, to try it? I think I, we sent some over there, so... And uh, yes, uh, I tried it with my daughter Evelyn, and uh, it it's fantastic. I know that uh, anyone who tries it is going to love it. It's crazy. It's uh, it, I don't think anybody else does anything like it. Uh, and and it's it's one of Terry's inventions. It's we we really wanted something that we didn't want to be another cocoa powder. We didn't want to be another Swiss Miss. We didn't want to. Uh, those things are all great. Uh, but. I, I think what kind of set the bar apart was that it's it's the whole bean, and kind of like with coffee, if you if you brew it right and you get the oils and you get every and you're not filtering all the flavors out, you get a better taste. And and so we wanted to do that with with our hot chocolate too. So it is whole bean. They're whole beans. They're ground only for an hour, <laughs> just an hour. So there's yeah. a lot of texture still in it. You still get all the cocoa butters. It's not pressed out into just the powder. Um, and and then the and we wanted it to dissolve quickly, so we added some some sugar, and and it all held together by coconut oil, which has a really low melting point. So as soon as you put it in there, it's, it's going to start melting. It's almost like a big bar, but it has a lot of texture to it, some really complex texture to it. And for me, it takes like an hour just to a drink. <laughs> it's, and uh, and I just sit there with a spoon. Uh, you know, I'm going to drink it, and then once the once it gets low, I'm going to spoon it out because it's it's just it's got a lot of texture. It's not like you know having the the chocolate syrup at the bottom where you're like I'm done. It's it's so much goodness at the end too. Oh, you can taste the fresh cacao beans in there. Uh, it's it's truly fantastic. So thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, what would you say right now, since you're really well wor- versed in the chocolate industry, sort of like what's sort of the trend in chocolate right now? You know, it's hard to say because last year the big trend going into the holidays was drinking chocolate. It was all the chocolate makers were coming out with a, a, a mix that you could, you know, make hot chocolate out of. Um, this this year, I, I I feel like I feel like the trend is more. I mean, I mean, I haven't seen much variation from last year to this year. I haven't seen much emphasis on hot chocolate either. Um, so it, it's hard to say. I think people are kind of repeating what they've done last year. I, I, for us, we're, we're trying to move into the savories. So we get people in the door when we have our, our grilled cheese chocolate sandwich or our, our chocolate fried chicken. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm hoping that we can expand in, you know, the, the American consumers and consumers in general into the, the savory chocolate kind of food. So it's not just a, a treat, but it's also a part of a, a great meal, too. Well, the other day we had um, a great dish, uh, a chocolate mole. And I can imagine if you created some kind of chocolate mole um, with your chocolate, that would be amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it's, mole is such a great dish. It's the labor of love. <laughs> 
It is. Um, Well, we have been having so much fun chatting with you, Adam. I guess I have one last question for our listeners, please. Uh, You do so much with Puna Chocolate Company, and your chocolate is truly uh, putting Hawaiian chocolate on the forefront of of, uh, world chocolate. What would you say through... Uh, your entire journey and where you are now, what, what would you say you're so far most proud of? Um, I would say, I, I would say the chocolate, I would say that we've, we've been able to maintain the, our own identity through this, this whole process because there, there really is a lot of pressure in the chocolate industry to do things a certain way. And mm. we, we've always said, you know, this is about, we think the consumers are going to like a, a a chocolate that's imperfect, and as long as it melts in your mouth and it, it has that you know notes of what they're used to, and then takes it beyond that, and every bite, every bar that they buy is different because we're we're letting the bean do the speaking. We're not trying to make every bar the same. Um, we we think that's going to be successful, and and, it, and it's working. I think everybody knows that when they open up one of our bars, it's it's going to be quality, uh, but it's not going to be the same experience over and over, and and, and we're, 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 we love that. Well, and your chocolate does have a lot of personality, and uh, we love how you also think about your mission of producing amazing chocolate, and also thinking about how you do it through your tropical conservation. So thank you for all that. We've so enjoyed chatting with you, Adam. Thank you for joining us today. It's been fun to hear about chocolate and coffee, and you know, it is a beautiful pairing, but all that goes into chocolate and making delicious Puna chocolate. So we appreciate your sharing that. And we are grateful to our listeners for joining us today and um, hope hope that some of these stories are in, inspiring, some of the stories that we weave through delicious chocolate and our journeys. Thank you for sharing with us. And if you'd like to continue the conversation, please send us questions to radio at myfavoritecoffeestory.com. It's been wonderful to be together. We wish you a great week and a wonderful aloha. Thank you for taking an hour out of your busy week to join us on My Favorite Coffee Story. Please tune in again for another edition with your host, Aniko Samoji, next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, we hope you'll have a relaxing week.